0: Welcome back to The Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. In case the audio sounds any different in this introduction, it's because I am literally walking around barefoot in the jungle of Tulum, and I'm on a little trip, been away for the last two and a half weeks. And I'm recording this into a lapel mic that I brought along. A lapel mic is just a little mic that you hook onto your shirt, or in this case, it's wrapped around my neck. And I'm out here. I'm in the jungle. And we are recording the podcast. This episode today was with my new friend and someone that I have respected and even revered for many years, over a decade. Stephen Pressfield is one of the most renowned writers on the planet. He's the author of the book, The War of Art, which is a seminal classic for any individual that's interested in creating some type of meaningful creative work. If you're writing, if you're an artist, you're a painter, you're a poet, anything of the sort, this book is one of the most important books that you could possibly read. He's also the author of Doing the Work. He's the author of, let's see here, I got a whole list of his books. He's he's prolific, this guy. Gates of Fire. Let's see here. His most recent book was A Man at Arms, which we get into in this conversation. He's amazing, and he's a deeply philosophical, deeply thoughtful, and uh, highly compassionate, humble individual. So I'm very excited to share this conversation with you guys. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it. If you do, share with your friends, share with your family, leave us reviews, whatever you want to do to give back, um, or you can just sit back, listen to it, appreciate it, and enjoy. If it makes a difference in your life, then that. Matters. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again. Let's get to it with one of my favorite writers on the planet, Stephen Pressfield. Thank you so much for making time to do this.
1: Hey, great! Thanks for having me here. It's great to be here.
0: I greatly appreciate it. I'm
1: looking forward to seeing whatever we wind up talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, you. uh, One thing, the thing that stands out me more than anything upon uh communicating with you over the last several weeks uh you're incredibly humble and not in like a like a bullshit a lot to be humble about not that's not, not, well, no, not true not in like a bullshitty doing it because it's you know it's like a good look uh you you genuinely show up in a way that's like you don't uh you make people feel very comfortable and uh, well, thank you. My idea of you was uh-huh. very like you were on this pedestal,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, which is kind of an uncomfortable, lonely place to be. I think for a person, uh huh. You know, I wonder—is that something that you think you've like cultivated in yourself, or is that like wh- it's why? That's a great question. I mean, I really have. Uh,
1: there's been a lot of failure in my life. It took me a long, long time to break through at all. Yeah. into anything, as we were just talking about before we started here. So I definitely don't feel that in any way I am on any kind of pedestal. In fact, I've sort of been evolving a little bit lately into just trying to believe or accept the fact that people respond to some of the stuff I've written. You know, Because it's sort of, you know, from the... When you put things out there, a lot of times you don't get much coming back. Yeah, you don't realize, you know, that an impact has been made. And I'm sort of, uh, so uh, in any event, I certainly don't feel that uh, I'm anything other than I've always been.
0: Yeah. And it, it seems like you grew up in a way, something that I find really interesting, I'm reading a book right now called Designing Your Life. And in that, One of the things it mentioned is something like 80% of people aren't really satisfied with their work. You know, 15% Uh, of people are like actively or sabotaging their work. uh, So they're doing uh, a thing that they they essentially hate. Uh And so within that, one of the things it was was bringing up was uh, we get sold this idea that we need to find our passion. Like, what is your passion? What is your passion? Which I think puts a lot of stress and pressure on people. Yeah, yeah. Um, very few people, maybe twenty percent, probably less than that, are really like, "Oh, this is my passion." You know, so for you, you had a very roundabout way of coming to a point of getting into something that could be conceived as Stephen Pressfield's passion or his his genius or his yeah. Like, what is that? What was that journey for you? And is is passion important for a person to to find? I mean, it certainly was for me. I mean, it took uh, and I
1: realize I feel like I'm a little guilty of putting pressure on people, you know, with a book like The War of Art or something like that yeah. to, say, find your passion or that kind of thing. But but I mean it, you know. And it certainly – that was really sort of the first 50-plus years of my life was just trying to I, – I knew what I wanted to do, but I just couldn't do it. You know, I just couldn't do it well enough that anybody wanted to to read it or look at it. So, um, through a lot of that, I really felt like I was saying to myself and people in my family were saying to me, what's wrong with this guy? Is he crazy? Why does he keep doing this stuff? That's not giving him anything back. That's not paying the rent. That's not doing anything. Why? And I asked myself that, you know, 10,000 times, why am I doing this stuff? But I really couldn't do anything else, you know. I just was sort of driven to kind of break through some way if I if I could. Did you have a click moment of like Haha. a lot of click moments? There are a lot of click moments. I'm definitely a believer that you know in movies, there's one moment you know when Rocky says, you know, if I could go the distance with Creed, you know, yeah, and 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 it, it makes sense in movies or things like that because you have to simplify things. But I think in, in real life, for me anyway, there's been a series of, of moments where I sort of felt like, ah, I've turned the corner here. You know, I've really, I've got, you know, I, I've grasped something now. But then, and in the movies, success or gratification would immediately follow, right? Yeah. But- in fact, what usually happens, at least in my experience, is nothing follows. Right? You then, you know, it's it's. Let's say you finish a book, you finally written it. and I'm speaking, you know, for reality for truth, reality. You finish it. It's a manuscript. It's done, and nobody wants it. Nobody buys it. You can't sell it. Boom! You're right back where you were. But a a a corner has been turned somehow. You know, mm. and then a little farther along, another corner gets turned. So, so I would not say, for me at least. That there was any one moment, there was like a whole series of moments. And they're continuing. You know, there, there are more moments are coming. Yeah. I feel like, you know, just what you and I were talking about about your thing with a line, there feels like to me there have been a series of moments for you, you know?
0: Yeah. And it keeps evolving and will keep evolving. Yeah. Did you have a sensation of uh aimlessness throughout your life? Um no, but I felt like What I was
1: trying to do, I just couldn't do. You know, I couldn't do it. It was like trying to be a brain surgeon, and each time you cut into somebody's head, you know, their brains came out or something. You know what I mean? I just, I mean, for me, it was writing. So I'm trying to write, and I just can't do it good enough. You know, I can't write whatever it is that people want to read. Hmm.
0: So that was sort of uh, for years and years and years yeah there's there's a uh I think it's a, a Greek term uh heretia, which I think it, it, have you heard this term I uh, no no I know, like I'm pretty sure it's heretia. and essentially it's it's uh it would mean to have uh to miss one's aim and essentially oh. it's considered like a like a sin in ancient Greek times like to have your uh-huh. spear going in a direction that's like living a, a life in alignment uh-huh. and so to to miss one's aim, almost it feels it feels like a like a like a sin. Like it feels like it's like it, it's it's a very uncomfortable sensation. And I feel like for for me, my most when I feel most gratified is when I feel like I'm I'm taking aim, I'm taking action, I'm making progress towards some target. But the yeah. but the process of actually gaining some semblance of like what the hell is the target in the first place. I feel like that's like a, it's a valuable step.
1: Yes. I mean, I certainly felt that exactly in the sense that, uh, well, let me say that I felt along the way many times like I was getting somewhere, but I wasn't really sure how far I was going or what it was that I was getting toward. you know?
0: Um, And when you are, so something that I experience when I am doing something meaningful or what seems to be meaningful, I'm going towards like, oh, cool, I finally got my uh-huh. this mythical target that uh-huh. I've been I've been yearning for. Um, such as the example of of getting, you know, a a book deal and mm-hmm. having a deadline and mm-hmm. all that. The tendency, the very apparent one would probably relate to a lot of people, is what you describe um in the the war of art as this resistance comes up. You know, so I would start organizing my shoes and, you know, getting like a toothbrush mm-hmm. out and washing them uh-huh. and, you know, checking my fridge uh-huh. 35 times, thinking maybe some different uh-huh. collection of food will pop up if I look again. Uh, and I start to push that away. And so there's almost like a like a, a, a fear, self-sabotage of arriving at that place yeah, that I've yeah. told myself that I want to arrive. Yeah. And then when the opportunity comes up, here comes the potential for self-sabotage. Yeah. I mean definitely. I mean that's the
1: whole what I've written about about resistance in in the war of art is very is any time I think that you have a dream or you can you know you're focused on something like okay that's what I want. I know that's what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. Then immediately resistance is going to be there and self-sabotage is going to be there certainly. That's how it was for me for you know and still is. Why? Uh, uh, I mean, I have a theory. I have a theory. you know I mean it's it's a I'm not the only one who believes this, by the way. This is part of uh, Jewish mysticism. It's part of Kabbalistic thinking. Huh. you know there are a lot of other kind of systems of belief that believe that uh, if we're on a level here and we're trying to get to a level here, that there's some sort of resisting force in the middle. And I'll give you my long version of the of, Please, the, of this. We've got
0: time. We've got um, batteries in the camera, so it says, okay. Brandon. Yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, I'm a believer that there really we really have two identities, or there are, our identity can seat itself in two different places. One is the ego, and the ego I would define as. That thing that we call I, that I am going to the grocery store, I'm paying my taxes, I'm thinking rationally, that kind of ego, that's the ego, right? Then there is a greater part of ourselves, which Jung would call the self with a capital S. And the self would include... All of the elements of the unconscious, the collective unconscious, the hero's journey, all of the things that uh, intuition and dreams and, and our greater being. And I know that you're into this. Say, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Now, when, uh, if we were just living according to what advertisements and our parents and, and the, the culture taught us, we would be in the ego from birth to death but at some point usually somebody or some event kind of clues us in or some change or something happens in our life that there is a greater identity a greater self than the, than just this little i so if as artists what we're trying to do if you're if you're a songwriter what you're trying to do is get to that greater self. That's the source mm. of melodies, of lyrics, or everything that comes to it. If you're a writer and you're sitting down at a page, the okay. blank page, you're trying to get to that other place, that kind of flow state, that self thing. So it's a long way of getting around. No, I'm when, loving it. when, and I would say that my own journey over like 30 years of pounding the keyboard was trying to get bottom line from the ego to the self, trying to open up that pathway. So what happens is when we do start to have any connection to that greater self, which may come from intuition, from dreams, or from just the state that you get into when you're in the middle of of work, of, of dancing or singing or whatever it is, that threatens the ego. Mm. The ego hates that. Because the ego knows if the if, if we start to seat ourselves in that other greater identity, we don't need the ego anymore. Yep. you know we can live from the self. So my theory of where resistance comes from and why it's there is that the ego produces it on some level. I don't know where that level is in the psyche trying to stop us from making that shift to the to the greater self because ego wants, Control wants us to hang on there, you know? The ego's trying to survive. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit like alternative energy coming in, right? Coal doesn't want us to get on to alternative energy, renewable energy, or something like that. Because right. if we're there, coal's out of business. So anyway, that's my long-winded
0: theory of so where like this a, element comes from. So we have like a Stockholm syndrome around our ego in a way.
1: Well, how would you elaborate on that so I know what so, you
0: mean? So it's holding us hostage, the ah, deeper us, like the age, yes. like the deeper oceanic yes. us. But we're, use, you and talk. we're falling in love with the ego in some sort of sense, too. Yeah. But in fact, it's it's a tool to yeah. navigate the world. Like yes. that's, it would be it's silly necessary. to be like, the ego is, you know, well, well, it's a tool. It's a really yeah. important, valuable tool, and it deserves our respect and appreciation yes. and all yes. that. Um, but it's not the absolute, you know, it's not the the king. Right and but it it wants to it's it wants to keep that role that place and almost potentially like what I'm tr- kind of translating my own mind with the with the Stockholm syndrome it's like holding us hostage in a way it's or or maybe gaslighting would be another term like yeah. making us believe doing every all yeah. the tricks that it can to make us believe yeah. that we need that's it. actually
1: a great right word yeah yeah
0: yeah and then eventually maybe the Stockholm maybe gaslighting is a better one but the Stockholm syndrome is you know the belief that yeah. we. We love. We fall in love with our captors.
1: Yeah, and the thing about resistance, what makes it so diabolical is that it can gaslight us. You know that when we hear that voice in our head that says, "Who do you think you are to write this second book?" You know, Mm. "Who do you think you are to have a podcast that dares to go and investigate these certain?" Who do you think you are? We we think when we hear that voice that it's ourselves. Right. It's, you know, that that it's we're rationally assessing our situation and coming up with that stuff. Right. That's that so that's the gaslighting element of it, because it's not ourselves. Those are not our thoughts. That's just resistance. That's just this universal negative force of self-sabotage.
0: Hmm. How does a person start to come into that level of self-discovery to even feel into the the ids and the superegos and the egos and start to gain a relationship with the, those, those layers. It's a great, that's
1: a great question. I mean, it's really, it's a lot simpler sort of than that. I mean, it's like uh, in my, in my experience anyway, that y- you can just feel this force that's trying to stop you do whatever it is. It doesn't matter really kind of where it comes from or what the, you know, the brain chemistry is or anything like that. The real question is, can you find a way to overcome it you know to dismiss it and and uh and disempower it
0: and keep keep on working you know or work through it you have uh, any kind of mindfulness type practice mindfulness in quotations
1: uh meditation no. i i take long I'm, walks long hot no, walk showers bubble no, no. baths no i'm in favor of you all use that use a dry I, brush i think it's all great <laughs> come on <laughs> I, no i don't do any of that stuff. So. <laughs> To me, it's uh, it's <laughs> just about <laughs> sitting down and doing your work. You know, that's my mindfulness practice. You know, huh.
0: it's like you got to push through. It's kind of like going for a run. You know, when you, anytime you go for a, a run, the first twenty minutes sucks. Yeah. And so, with most things, it's like: Are you courageous enough to, yeah. put, to 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 move through that first twenty minutes?
1: Exactly. Or I would say it's like diving into a cold pool. Maybe it's not Same even twenty thing. minutes. With that, right? it's like two minutes. When you're standing on the edge, it's horrible, right? Yeah. But once you're in, you know, however long it takes you before you get a little blood flowing, yeah. So that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so you were doing back in the day. You were working on oil rigs. You were picking fruit. Uh huh. You were doing all the odd jobs. Uh-huh. Did you have writing tucked away someplace, or not? Not really. Yeah,
1: I mean, I was really running away from writing. Mm. I didn't realize it, or, you know, or I—I I wouldn't let myself realize it. But I had—I had tried to write a book and gotten ninety-nine percent of the way through and then choked. You know, just blew it up, blew everything up. Do you think so, you did that to yourself subconsciously? This was self sabotage. This was resistance that I had no name for, no concept of it at the time. What was the What was the book? Um, it was a novel that was about uh, about Marine boot camp, actually. Right. Um, but uh, it didn't really matter what it was about. The point was that I got I, I couldn't face finishing it. I couldn't face actually that it might be good or that it might be bad. Right, But I couldn't, so, so uh, I choked. And uh, uh, that sort of led me onto a kind of a, a weird journey through a lot of crazy jobs. And I was just basically running away from writing. You know, I really knew I had to do that. I should do that. That was what I should be doing.
0: But I just couldn't, couldn't face it. Why the heck? I mean, this is, I'm going to keep on asking this question, but why are people afraid of their potential?
1: Uh, you know, there's a there's a great section in something that Marianne Williamson once wrote. Yeah, so
0: I'm trying to Do try you know to what I'm her quote. Yeah, the quote's something like I've referenced it a hundred times. I've had her on the podcast yeah. as well. It's like uh, the, our greatest fear is yeah whatever.
1: that we might actually be as powerful as we think as we, we are. think we are. That's you know? what it is. And that I, you know, it's a great question, Aaron. I don't know why we're so afraid of it, but fear of success, I think, is more powerful than than fear of failure. Yeah. Um. You know, you see it over and over in your friends, and you know, and yourself,
0: oneself. Do you think maybe it's some uh, like repetition of we were we've been habituated to practice failure as preparation for it because that's going to hurt more, and we haven't maybe put enough work into practicing success. I don't I mean, know. I'm it's a good baller. question. I, don't I think know. you know
1: one <laughs> thing. I mean, it's yeah, I'm spitballing yeah. too, but I think one thing <laughs> is. You know, America is a democracy, right? And we're told from day one that everybody's equal. And that's kind of our ideal, right? And of course, it means equal before the law, you know? Um, But I do think I certainly internalize that whole thing that like to stand out is like a crime against my brothers and sisters, right? Who do I think I am? You know who do you think you are? To you know, and when we see somebody that uh, that uh, well, if they egotistically put themselves forward, we hate their guts, right? And we love to bring them down. Totally. But even in in um, you know, I, one of one of my favorite books of mine is a book called Tides of War, and it's about a certain character in ancient Athens named Alcibiades, who was like this brilliant. Uh, character but the gist of the book is about the theme of the book is how in democracies the people love to tear down anybody that rises above the norm yep. and in fact even to their own detriment you know there was a there was a famous event in ancient athens where the people voted to execute their 10 top generals for like an obvious trumped up charge and they just even though they were going to like lose the war and basically lose everything but they still they still voted to execute these generals. So any maybe that's why maybe that's part of why we're afraid of success yeah. that we think, you know, the 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 flower that pokes its head up is the one that gets cut off by the side. I don't know. I think it's probably deeper than that. There must be something on the soul level that I don't know, but it certainly an underappreciated
0: fear that that we all have yeah I, f- I, would, I would think that for someone that wants to chop someone down it probably comes from their own some deep-rooted sensation of inadequacy and then the relativity of that sunflower going up higher yeah it's a, like a narcissistic perspective of yeah. that sunflower going up higher it's about my sunflower yeah now, relatively speaking it's higher but the the ironic thing is it's it's I mean you see this in, in LA a lot we want to build people up so it's like we're yeah. supportive build 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 yeah, yeah, you yeah. know rooting for the underdog grow yeah. grow grow and if they go too high, then they set yeah. themselves up, which is I think why you are quite um, it's like it's a pretty masterful intelligent. Move, which for you it wasn't a move, but you naturally grew into a position where you do lead with um, sincerity and humbleness. And if that's the way that one leads, then it's not this. I think it it it's almost like protects them from the tribe wanting to cut them down. Mm. There's like this equalizing, mm. debasing thing that we're naturally Maybe. we're naturally always doing. The other thing, though, I think if
1: you're if you're an artist of any kind um you know that what the works you produce are not coming from you you know right. they're coming from some other place and that you are uh, a medium for them you know yeah. and that keeps you humble because i'm i'm always aware that the goddess is watching you know and if i were to shoot my mouth off about how great i am or what i'm doing something She's just gonna, you know, she's gonna turn the spigot off, you know? So uh, but even beyond that, I think just a recognition that we're really not the producers of 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 what it is. We we may have learned over time to open a conduit, you know, open the channel yeah. and be able to uh to be present and to do what you need to do, but it's not really coming from us. So I would be really interested to see somebody like like Michael Jordan or LeBron James which is a little different scenario where they really are great you know it's not like they you know they're uh, they're tapping into some other dimension and and uh, well. see what they think about uh about uh you know not um Letting their ego get out of control, but you know what was really interesting to me—I'm sure you watched the the last dance, the Michael yeah, Jordan thing. Yeah, of course thing, it was. Was when they would ask him about, uh, like, I remember one year Carl Malone won the MVP, and I think Michael Jordan was going up against Karl Malone in the in the finals or something, and they were asking him something about, you know, how did he feel about that? And you could see whatever he said was uh, that uh, he didn't he didn't begrudge Carl Malone winning the MVP last year, but he said like, really, he's really better than me. I don't think so. Yeah. you know. And he really, but again, that was sort of a realistic self-assessment,
0: I think, you know? So, I mean, I think it's a combination of leading with a delusional self-belief that could lean on the edge of, of narcissism. Uh-huh. Like you looking in the mirror, like I am the best in the uh-huh. world, you know? And that's like, it's like, oh, yeah. you arrogant yeah. egotistical jerk. It's like, I well, have- now see what happens with that. <laughs> Cause I've pointed my, the spear, I've pointed that now, here's yeah. the target. My target is to be better than every other human on the planet. Then, if you're setting that target, you, you have a higher likelihood of arriving at least close to that. But then the balance for the longevity, I would think, would be to um, have gratitude and humbleness along the way that I'm actually not doing anything. And uh, you know I'm tapping into something beyond myself. Yeah. So you can tear me down, but that's fine because I'm not me. Yeah, yeah, that's so if
1: actually, if you, have you ever, read, ever watched Elizabeth Gilbert's TED Talk, the famous one called Your Elusive Creative Genius? It was like the one that, you know, uh, I don't think I've seen it. 20 million views or something like that. Maybe. And that's one sure. of the things that she says that, uh, you know, if it's not really coming from you, you can't take all the credit when it's good, but you also don't take all the blame when it's bad. Yeah. Have you had a fear of death? Uh,
0: not really. I don't think so. Never. Why did you ask? Why did you ask that? I would think that the more a person's attached to, you know, we have different planes, you know, we have like our material uh-huh. world and we have our, you know, our, our socio, our, uh-huh. our, our, our role in society. Uh-huh. Um, and then maybe you could go into like, maybe like the more ethereal, I'm like a Leo or a Cancer or a Capricorn, you know, and then there's eventually you keep winding it back and eventually become, I become, you know, we become reflections of each other. You know, And this is like Alan Watts, Ram does, uh-huh, uh-huh. various different folks. And then, so I'm looking at you through me and you're looking at me through you. And eventually it comes back and like, there's not as much attachment to this uh-huh. shirt and body and yeah. the money that I have in my bank account and all yeah. of that. And if a person can lean into that aspect of themselves while maintaining awareness of their social security code, you know, so I think that balance is, is, is really yeah. important. Yeah. But if you're all social security code then you are naturally have a, a clenching and a contraction to, to lose that.
1: Yeah. It's but not not like I'm, I I want to die or I'm looking forward to
0: it. Yeah. But uh, – Does that make sense? I feel like yeah. that was a lot of words. Yeah. But-
1: no. No, I know just what you mean. Yeah. yeah.
0: So do you feel it's like – It's a
1: bit of the stoical philosophy that, uh, you know, memento mori where you're aware of your death constantly. Or yeah. The fact that you're going to die so that you appreciate – and you have a certain humility
0: just for the fact that you know that we're here and we're still breathing i would think the more egotistical uh a person would be the there would be the more a, they'd be afraid of death the more they'd be afraid of death yeah. right yeah and then because this is the only thing that exists this is it this is everything yeah. this is who i am yeah
1: well, what do you, what do you think happens when you die do you, are you a, are you a believer in previous lives do you feel that your your spirit will go on i
0: love that idea um I mean, I do too. I believe it too. Yeah, I feel like we are a, like an Alan Watts idea is that we're like the the peak of an ocean or peak of a wave, you know. So we come up for a moment. The wave is is waving. Uh, ah, uh, here, here I am. Oh, you know, I'm the you most said, beautiful so. wave in the ocean. Uh, you know, and so if you isolate, uh, you myopically zoom in uh, on that uh, wave, you're like, wow, that wave. It's its own wave. Uh, it's got its power, uh-huh. but ultimately the wave is gonna crash and go back into the ocean it uh-huh. was always the ocean all the time uh-huh. and so my feeling is that uh we're we're very we're very it's it's very safe to transition out of this body uh-huh. I'm, I'm like working on did you always feel that.
1: that or did that come
0: through experiences that you've had i, mean, I still I think i have fear of death for sure intellectually i'm like i think that's it uh-huh. but i think there's still attachment to this 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 form to uh-huh. the degree of uh I could use a little bit more release. Uh-huh. I think. Do you do you ever rehearse your death or practice your death or or has you have you done any practices I, I, like that? I
1: have. Not, probably not to the depth that people ought to, you know. Yeah. But um yeah. I mean, we're not gonna be around forever, you uh-huh. know? And uh I had a friend that just died recently, just, you know, an accident, just like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's the thing that they say that nobody wakes up in the morning thinking today's the day I'm going to die. Sure. But one of these days, it's going to be that day, you know? And my friend certainly, you know, he went to breakfast and he wasn't thinking about any of that at all, you know? Not that it makes any difference, you know, but it's a reality, you know? One of those, one of these days is going to be that day. So... But uh, I don't what do you, know if that you, means I'm you rehearsing you it. But yeah, what do you think happens? When you die? Yeah. Uh, I would hope that, uh, that we return to a state. Well, let me put it this way. What we were just talking about, about the higher level and the lower level and – uh intuition and dreams and the level that you're trying to get to when you're when you're you know in engaged in producing art or trying to do something like that you're aware or you sense that there are multiple multiple dimensions and all kinds of weird shit going on right is time all happening at the same time right past present future is it all happening yeah and i would hope that we would enter some sort of space Where we would start to, where we could grasp that. And what I'm sort of afraid of in the present is that I'm not trying to expand my consciousness enough to grasp even the tiniest bit now. I'm sort of afraid, like, if it's true what I just said about after you die, that I'd look back on how I was and what I was thinking, what my consciousness was here on this level. And I'd say to myself, why didn't I wake up more? You know, yeah. why was I so, you know, I thought I was trying to expand, but I was just an idiot. I only saw, you know, one millionth
0: of the puzzle. So that's my hope. I want to take a brief moment and thank Element for supporting this podcast and vastly improving my experience around hydration for the last year. So what the heck is Element? It is a perfect blend, perfect combination of the minerals that you need to actually be able to assimilate water. So it's sodium, potassium, magnesium, and then also some delicious natural flavors. My favorite flavor personally is the cacao salt. Also, I know that uh, Max Lugabere, guest of the podcast in the past, his favorite is the mango chili. Uh, They're all very good. And you drop them into your water, tastes delicious, makes you want to drink water throughout the day. And it also makes it so that your water is more available for your cells to be able to soak up. So when we're drinking distilled water or filtered water, it's very important that we put minerals back into that water so it doesn't pull minerals from us. And Element has sorted that out for us. And the most exciting part is that you can try it absolutely free by going to drinklmnt.com Align. That's drinklmnt.com slash align, and you can try a free sampler pack. You just pay five bucks for shipping, and they'll send you out a whole sampler pack. You can check out all the flavors, see if you dig it. If you do, and you do end up getting it, then they have a 100% money-back guarantee warranty. So if you are not 100% totally happy, you don't notice an improvement in your energy levels and your whatever you're looking for it from it, then send it back. You get your money back. So you have absolutely nothing to lose. Tastes delicious. And I'm uh, really very confident you guys are going to enjoy it. So get yourself a free sampler pack by going to drinklmnt.com slash alive. I'd also like to thank BioOptimizers for supporting this podcast. BioOptimizers has become my go-to company on all things probiotics and gut health. The reason that I really appreciate their products is I actually feel a difference Upon taking them. So after I take cognabiotics, for example, which is a blend of various different nootropic herbs along with probiotics and prebiotics to both heal your gut and also stimulate your mind. Mind and the gut, as you already know, are interconnected, and uh, cognibiotics is a perfect blend to start to engage those systems. So what I like about it is when I take them, I actually feel more clear. I feel more energetic. It's helpful with things like brain fog. It's helpful for you waking up in the morning and feeling kind of a little bit clunky. I really enjoy this stuff. And you can get yourself a discount by going to cognibioticscom align. That's C-O-G-N-I-B-I-O-T-I-C-S.com align. If you do not absolutely love the product, if it does not make an immediate difference in your brain health, in your cognitive well-being, in your energy levels, in any of the things that you expect to get from the product, they have a 100% satisfaction money-back guarantee. So if you don't love the stuff, get your money back, no big deal. So you have absolutely nothing to lose, everything to gain, and you also get a 10% discount by going to cognabioticscom slash life. I think I'm in alignment with what you're with what you're saying. I think that the the one thing that I could say, I've, experiences that I've had of feeling like um close to death. Have you had like near like near death experiences? No, I haven't actually. No. Okay. Um, really never. No, not a one, no car accidents, nothing. Well, things
1: like that, but not really where you like, really feel like you're going through the tunnel and the, I haven't been like, I'm going through the tunnel. I haven't had, I have had moments that.
0: where I was like, Oh, I don't know if this is gonna, um, you know, if I'm, there's, it seems like statistically there's, a, I'm, I'm leaning into the edge of like this, this might be a thing.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and I think that was the primary fear that I had is that I, I didn't make, I, I, I was, too afraid to make myself available to to love and be loved to the greatest degree that I that I, that I can in this in this form. Yeah, you just fit the nail on the head for me. That would be my thing too.
1: I would think that I would look back and say, you know, I wish I had opened myself more to love. There were so many times that uh, you know, I held back or I didn't appreciate, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think you do that? god knows fear i don't know
0: <laughs> i don't know
1: but i know i do it i mean and i know that uh that uh you know if what's if this is true what we're talking about right after death i know that's the thing i'll say to myself when i when i look back
0: what do you think the point of life is i promise we'll get back into like some you know we'll talk about books and stuff but
1: uh, it's okay we don't have to talk about it yeah, anything. yeah. Uh, well i'm gonna
0: have to ask you this too okay good
1: um you know, it's it's a great it's a great question. I mean, the is is this some school for us? Are we here to learn something? You know, did we did we commit some crime in the past? Um, I I think that the 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 sort of the underlying deep truth, once we get into the other dimension, we come to the highest level, is that love is everything and that we're all connected. You know, so that this life is like a hell of the opposite of that, right? Where um, we are we believe where fear is the dominant emotion in this life because we we're made of flesh and we know we're gonna die. Yeah. and where we all feel like I'm separate from you, you're separate from me. you know, if you were to fall down the stairs and break your back, it wouldn't hurt me, right? Right? So somehow we're in this dimension, I think, trying to learn that lesson, that that's not true, that we are all together and that love is the, is the bottom line. If you think about stories, we're really getting into some deep shit here, but if you think about, as I have being a writer, almost every story is about going from fear to love. Almost, you know, the, the lead character, the hero, whether it's, Bogart in Casablanca or John Wayne in The Searchers or or anybody goes from believing that they're separate from everybody else to, at the end, making some kind of move, a sacrifice, a gesture, or something that is a gesture of love. Mm -hmm. You know, Bogie puts Ingrid Bergman on the plane to Lisbon and gives up, you know, his dream of happiness with her for a greater cause, you know? So, Maybe that's what life is, a school to teach us that. But then why? Yeah. What is God thinking about, you, know? Do you, you really, know? Let me ask you now. You have well, to answer that question. Uh, you can't just ask that question. What do you think? Is about? Uh, uh, why are
0: we here? What's big, it about? Big time deflector. Um Well, I don't know. And there's the the referencing more Watts. Obviously, I have a, I have a big man crush for, for Alan Watts. But if you heard the bit where he talked about how essentially, if God, if you if you could access everything that you want in the world, you could do anything that you wanted. There was no chance of failure. It's just like (laughs) like, hocus pocus, anything. Uh It would be incredibly boring. It would just be this banal, gray, Mm -hmm. neutral existence. Uh, And so, this the story from from him is that essentially God's tricking him or her itself to forget that it is God. And because just to, to kind of make the story a little uh-huh. bit more sensational, uh-huh. you know, so now we can actually walk that hero's uh-huh. journey. Whereas uh-huh. before it was just all light and love. It's just like, uh-huh. so we're intentionally adding uh-huh. a little bit of that uh-huh. evil and a little uh-huh. bit of that dark, in order to create it's contra-
1: kind of a dark interpretation of things, but uh,
0: but in order to create, well, I'm just I'm also uh-huh. this isn't what well, specific, that's is, but 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 it's like it's like we introduce the potential of failure and darkness and evil and all of uh-huh. that in order to create contrast and just, relativity of uh-huh. the light. Because if it's just all light, uh-huh. it's like ugh, huh, there's nothing well, to grab. Well, that may be true. The polarity, that's
1: something interesting. That but
0: happened. the thing that is interesting to me is, is that it seems like there is some sensation of, of, of amnesia of sorts. Because you can tap, yes. you can tap into this, yes. this remembering, yes. and it's not a, a learning; it's a remembering. Yes. You're like, oh, like I've always known yes. this. I've always been this. I've always felt this. Yeah, yeah. And then taxes, yeah. girlfriend, yeah. you know, person, whatever, yeah. homeless, like all the That's things another come in.
1: Great way to look at it. That we come into this dimension having forgotten. Yeah. and what we're here to do? And what's is the point to, of forgetting? Would be
0: my, my kind of curiosity, perhaps it's just to make it more interesting. There was some intentionality of the forgetting. Yeah,
1: that's a good question too. <laughs> it's like you know the Greek myth of that is that we when we go to uh, whatever it is, Hades, I guess you have to cross the river Lethe, right? The root, the same root as lethargy, mm. and 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 uh, before we, before you come back to life, you have to drink. From the from the river Lethe, and at that point you forget everything, you forget your life beyond, mm. and you enter this world you know afresh, mm. which is kind of interesting. You know they didn't come up with that for no reason. They were thinking the same things we're thinking.
0: Yeah, it's uh, so you've derived a lot of information from the ancient the ancients. I love saying terms like the ancients. Um, yeah. But the ancient world and uh, warfare and Romans and Spartan and, and uh, that time frame. why do you think it is that you derive so much value from that?
1: I mean, I'm just sort of drawn to it instinctively. You know, I, I love those old books, um, not just, you know, Greek or Spartan. I love, you know, like the Bhagavad Gita, Hindu yeah. stuff, you know, um, any of those things. They don't seem ancient to me, you know. They seem uh, um, truer than whatever we're living now. I mean, I think now is a real plastic age to be in. You know, I'm not even sure You know why. I, I If I chose to be beamed back into this, year, into this year, I'm not sure what I was thinking about. Cryptocurrency, you know? man. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but uh, when I read the those ancient things, they seem very modern to me in the sense of very real, you know? Yeah, but, uh,
0: like the foundation, yeah. the foundations of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I say, people sometimes ask me is, you know, what what do I like about ancient Greece? And I think that uh, since then, we've had Christianity, psychotherapy, Marxism, fascism. Um, and uh, all other things like that, that all and now individualism. promise, maybe individualism too, now. but they all make a promise. And the promise that they make is if only we could change ourselves to be, to live like Christ lived, to be the proletary, you know, the withering away of the state, you know, to be communists where we share, you know, what? Uh, whatever it is, to who him, whatever that is, to him who owns it or needs it, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. some Or psychotherapy, where we feel like, oh, if only we could go back to our the root of our neurosis or whatever it was in childhood and and cure that. So, I mean, everything's going to be beautiful, right? And I think that uh, that's all a bunch of bullshit. It, never it doesn't work in any of those things, right? Whereas to me, when you go back to ancient Greece and you go to those earlier eras, They were before all this bullshit and they didn't believe that stuff. You know, they sort of, I think they saw life for what it was, you know. And one of the things I love about the the Greeks and the Romans too, is that their gods were human. You know, they were Aphrodite and Ares and uh, Athena and stuff like that with human frailties, Mm -hmm. right? They hated each other. They tricked each other. They lied to each other. They cheated on each other. And so I think what was really going on, I think, was that the Greeks were seeing life the way it was, you know, and without any illusion that, oh, if we could only do this, everything's going to be wonderful. Um, yeah. So that, to me, when I read their stuff, it's very refreshing because I feel like there's no bullshit to it, you know. Mm. They're really telling it like it is.
0: It seems like we're always doing running through the same systems. There's just perhaps more, more pretense in the present day but we're still running on the same ancestral codes you know we want to have sex and we want to uh make shelter and create safety and you know like continue the species Uh but the further you get away if you believe in evolution uh the more complex it becomes and we start sublimating those original root needs Uh that now it looks like oh I drive a Lamborghini and I wear these uh-huh. clothes yeah, yeah. and I have this like the, the heavy credit card that like drops on the table and I have muscles that are unnecessary because they're uh-huh. just, you know, they're just expending energy. And so there's a lot more complexity and fluff, but ultimately it's tied back to the same route.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Although I would say that I would not say if, if I'm not misunderstanding you, that the, the ancients were dumb or basic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not I think dumb. they were definitely dealing with the same questions. Well, there's genius, there's genius, there's
0: genius and simplicity. Yeah. But they, just because you're they, overcomplicating a thing doesn't mean you're any yeah. smarter or yeah. more effective or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What about ritualized death? Uh, like that's something that, 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 that I think is an interesting thing. Like we're naturally attracted to combat as men, probably women as well, but especially men. Uh huh. There's, you know, watching war movies. Like, I don't give a crap about, I don't think I care about war movies, but put a war movie on, I'm like fully enthralled, fully yeah. engaged. I don't think about it at any point. Put it on, like, whatever sound, like, I'm like, whoa, like, wow, like, wow. I'm, I'm all there. Um, sport, you could perhaps uh, say that's some form of like practicing of yeah, ritualized so think, death, yeah. but, you know, UFC is a really obvious example of that. There's literally on the edge, like, that man could kill that man. And it's one of the most popular sports. And yeah. then, you draw back years, like the Mayans had that, there was lots yeah. of sacrifice yeah. and um, same thing, you know, well, maybe not same thing, but Romans and the, the, uh, it is something that's happened throughout, throughout history. Do you, do you have any, any sense of why we you know, why actually, we're I've been that? thinking
1: about that lately and I actually don't have any answer to it, re, but it is, it is mesmerizing, you know, and we're drawn to it and you wonder why, why, why do men want to kill each other? Mm-hmm. You know, why is that endlessly fascinating? Yeah. And uh, I, I just don't know unless the fact, I mean, this world as God gave it to us is in the animal kingdom. In order to live from one day to the next, you got to kill some other sentient being, right? Yeah. That wants to live. That in essence is the same as you, right? Right has little chickens or whatever, a little and and not just kill that thing, but eat it. Tear its flesh and eat it. Right? Yeah. What is that all about? You know? I mean, why weren't we born with a, you know, a solar panel on our head and we just, you know, just be
0: friendly with each other. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. That's the world we're in. We also have to define what friendly is, you know, and, and does an animal, as they're being hunted or eaten or whatever, is there any – what we would personify as like fear, like we would experience it? Or is it just in the flow of nature?
1: Yeah, it's a hell of a good question. I mean, uh, a, a friend of mine who sort of is a student of this, a guy named Chip Armstrong, told me that one of the things about predation is that if you watch, you know, a lion kill, run down or – you know, uh, a gazelle or something. That there's no anger. Yeah. You know. Right. There's no. You know, when they're at a feeding, it's they're just eating. You know. Right. And it's only somehow man that somehow get brings that emotion to it. And I don't know what that means either. And do you have an answer? No, I don't have any answers. <laughs> you're like
0: my elder. I'm like so excited to get to get to. I'm sorry to disappoint you. No, yeah, you, you know? you're not disappointed at all. Um, no, I really. These are deep questions that uh, you know nobody knows the answer to. Yeah, of course. Um, and another interesting thing with that, with like, we have a story of maybe the the better, more right thing to do would be to have solar panels on our heads, and you know not exchange life with life, you know, instead get life from some other place that we've deemed to be more appropriate or less painful or any yeah, yeah. you know, of that, which is just our story. Be a vegan, yeah. It's just our story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is an interesting thing that that within the, 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 the code of nature, when a zebra or whatever critter is being eaten by the lion, they there's some onboard system that juices their, their brain and their blood up with various different essentially opiates endorphins mm-hmm. and they go into this like psychedelic trans dmt state essentially mm-hmm. where it's like that sensation of and you may have experienced if you've been in a car accident time slows down it's just right ah, oh and i think that that's there's an onboard system that when you really are about to be on that edge of, of okay you're really out of here um n- nature kind of takes mercy on you in yeah, a way. I- I think I think that
1: is true, yeah. Yeah. And so it's 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 Did it's God build that in as some kind of Yeah, who the hell put that there? Why is that way? there?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> or what about the other side of this, you think about fruits or, you know, an apple is comes from a tree or whatever it is, yeah. and it's like a Obviously, it's the tree trying to produce, reproduce itself, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's a gift to the world, right? That what's wrong? There's nothing wrong with us taking that apple and eating it, right? It's all going to pass through us, and this and the seeds are going to get into the earth one way or another. Yeah. So in that case, nature is, is really being very kind to us. Um,
0: I have another uh, deep metaphysical uh, question. There'd okay. be no reason that you'll have an answer do you have an easy question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think the world is so beautiful? Ah, that's another great
1: question. I I it's, it's a great it's question. It's unnecessary yeah, showing right. it's showing why? off. Why? Why is it? Yeah. I mean, and sometimes we think that this world is is a hell, right? A lot of people are going through hell one way or another. And then you look out at the sunset and you say, Well, this can't be hell, you know? Is it is it heaven? Yeah. You're right. Why is it why is it so beautiful? Why do we respond to beauty like we do? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder, you know, on uh uh on my deck, it looks out over over the water, and you'll see little squirrels will come. You know, they'll stand there, and you wonder <laughs> are they are they actually looking at the view? Are they appreciating this, or are they just looking to see if there's some nuts down there or something?
0: Yeah. You know, do you think that animals appreciate beauty? Not in the way that humans do. My feeling is that beauty exists because it turns certain biological. um Toggles systems, you know, so humans and animals in general, they, an, an example where you can kind of s- see this in our physiology is when you look out into the distance, taking a, a panoramic view, uh-huh. your eyes are all tied into your central nervous system. When you take in that the, the expanse, it literally starts to, to calm the nervous system. When you focus in on something, it puts you into more of that active, uh, kind of sympathetic, like get stuff uh, done type place. And then something you'll notice uh, is you know you might have a long exhalation in that situation. Uh, Look down. <sighs> like, that long exhalation. That's again. It's you're going to that rest, digest, repair, restore aspect uh, of yourself. Uh, and when you go into <gasps> that inhalation, uh, you know fast breath, uh, hyperventilation. <laughs> That puts you into more of that place of activate, go, fight, flight. Not no one's bad or, ah. or good. They just they just are. They're ah. tools. And so my my theory is that things are so darn beautiful because it it, it turns the gears of, of of nature to to rest and digest and restore and kind of take it all in. Whereas if it was just ones and zeros and pillars and right mm. angles, it might be unless you perceive that as being beautiful, mm. um, it would kind of uh, it it would like wreck our nervous systems. Mm. We don't we don't have that pause. Mm. So the beauty creates pause.
1: That's an interesting idea. I mean I got a question for you. Now I know that you
0: are into plant-based medicines, quote sure.
1: unquote, which I've never done. Yeah. But I know from taking mescaline or LSD back in the day, yeah, that you would sit in a spot, like go down to the beach, and it would be so freaking beautiful yeah. that you couldn't do anything except just stare and just, you know, and just go,
0: wow. Yeah. And, wow is the most consistent word in a psychedelic. And trip then
1: let me ask you if you, and then when you come back to your regular state, you say to yourself, what I just saw, that's reality. What I'm looking at now is some shortened, dimmed down Correct. version of that. Yeah. What do you, what do you make of that?
0: Uh, I think it's you getting the, 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 the taste of dropping the amnesia for a moment and you have that. But I mean, if
1: we could live in that state all the time.
0: Yeah. Would we even be able to function? I think you'd probably disappear out of the body. I kind of feel like the body exists because there is some type of relative friction. You know, there's, Uh there's some, there's some work to be done. Why is there work? I don't know. Uh It could be some other, it could be God's business. We're just, Uh you know, we're like cronies in God's mafia. Uh You know, and we're yeah. out here like working out in that yeah. knee pain you have and neck pain you have and ancestral whatever yeah. stuff or mother issues or whatever the thing is. That's like you're, you know, you're working off God's debt. But when you get to that point where you do relieve yourself of those various different frictions that we hold to keep us grounded in this world, I think you'd probably turn into like a rainbow.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: <laughs> right he laughs there'd be no reason reason to be here
1: i don't know it's a great question i mean the body's still going to be here what's going to happen i i don't know yeah um i mean the, the world apparently if we judge by chemicals is so beautiful that you can't do anything except stare at it in awe right yeah um and yet in order to live in it I'm wondering, what does a lion see when a lion is chasing a zebra or something? Is it is it is it
0: beauty? What, I know? think it's more attached. To that is it. Id is the that's the all encompassing everything, and then ego is the. Do you know the id ego? Yeah, super sort ego. of. You know, super ego is like the manipulation. Grade, now know, that you're like taking control yeah. of it, whatever. <laughs> I think a, a lion is is more in that like that that base layer, where they're just uh-huh. being they're in perfect union. They're being moved uh-huh. and. And they're moving and being moved with nature. So my feeling is So do is that
1: they see that beautiful world?
0: Like I don't the, know. What do you think? I mean, I certainly
1: agree that they are in the. They are nature, right? They are the flow. They're what we sort of. If we could get to that state, we'd probably never want to leave it. You know, um, it's like uh, you watch a hawk fly. Yeah. And you can see it right down to the individual feathers. You know, they're constantly adjusting and they can do everything, you know, and you know that they're not thinking about this, no. you know. So, um, or or a lion going after a gazelle or the gazelle in flight is doing amazing, amazing stuff, right, that, you know, physically speaking. And and obviously not thinking about it. So they are whatever nature is. Yeah. Yeah. And I humans don't know. It's do a this great, too. Great
0: question. You, when you're when you're writing one of your books and you're in that flow state, you are that hawk. You see, I guess you, you are know, for those one ballerina. few moments that it happens. You see right. someone yeah. playing the piano. You see, you know, Stevie yeah. Wonder or whatever jazz, whatever. Right? <sighs> yeah. They're completely out of the way of themselves. Yeah. yeah. And they just they are nature. Yeah. You know, there's there's and we all wish we could get to that place. Yeah. We all can get to that place. Right?
1: Yes, obviously. I mean, but so much of our lives, I think, are spent trying to get to that place, right? And the trying gets trying in the way of you, you, and, yeah.
0: you and the it. Yeah. As long as there's a try, there's separation. Yeah. I'm asking.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think. <laughs> You're the you, guy. Well, you have. It. What do I know? <laughs> and just in my experience, when you get to that place, you get there by trying. But you reach a point where you when stop When you arrive, trying.
0: you get there by releasing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the try is like the coal to get you there. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually how
1: did that moment is a magical moment and you know, you know, you don't know how you got there. I certainly can't turn it on and off.
0: And then the, ar- the arrival the arrival is like you're switching over to renewable energy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or you switching sometimes over it to burning cold. fat instead of glycogen, right?
0: Right. But sometimes it takes a little yeah. A little glycogen yeah. or coal or gasoline in order to like yeah. to get you to that higher level. Yeah.
1: It's a pretty deep experience. i hope you I hope your audience likes this stuff i mean yeah I, you know what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of oh. everything oh, uh, shut the heck up uh. I think really just like sort of what we were talking about before, of, of, after you die, if you look back, I'm sort of afraid that I'll get to oh, that yeah. moment and I'll go, oh, I really kind of blew it. What can been... you do
0: right now to release that fear? Yeah. Like, what's the, what's today look like or yeah. now or whatever?
1: Well, I'm going out to dinner with my girlfriend tonight. I guess I better really appreciate her,
0: you know, <laughs>
1: right. and pay attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like we have access to um, – what do you think of, of, of miracles? Ah, well, you yeah, had some great questions <laughs> here. <laughs> you mean like a, a like a, spontaneous a course of miracles or something? Sure, like yeah. yeah, like spontaneous. I like, mean, if you would say,
1: if you're in that plant-based medicine or mescaline or LSD state, yeah. you would say that miracles are every day. Everything is a miracle, right? Yeah. That that, but we just can't see it, right? Um. So I do think that there is, it's a great question, because I do think there are such things as miracles, and they operate by some kind of law, mm. different laws of physics, right? Mm. Um, and somehow, I suspect that those are higher laws of physics, you know? And, uh, but they're like the laws that Merlin or Gandalf understands, you know, yeah. and that we don't, or the alchemists understand. Um uh I mean, if we had Jesus here right now, he was probably at least in historically the guy who sort of could produce miracles on the spot right yeah, and it would be really interesting to tell to ask him, you know what's going on? what's the story here? Yeah. so I certainly believe there are miracles and that uh and that they're they're very deep if we knew they're they're mysterious have you experienced any 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 miracles in your life or something you... I'm you'd just be thinking miracle? of here the dumbest thing in the world here. But I, I sort of call this a miracle. When I was living on the road, I, had, I lived in a 65 Chevy van. And it was so broke down. But yet, it made it over, you know, rabbit ears pass in January, you know. Yeah. And there were many, many times when that vehicle should have been dead in the water. And it somehow... Kept going. And I think anybody that has a car loves a car or anything or an airplane, right? Yeah. That, uh, you know, can relate to that. So that's a kind of pretty commonplace thing. What about you? Do you you have one? Hold on, sir. Hold on. You got to come up (laughs) your side of the equation here.
0: (laughs) I so in relation to the miracles. How long have we been doing this now? I don't know. We'll wrap this thing up soon. We're right uh, now. Yeah, we'll, we'll I'm
1: just curious because it's sort of
0: we're in the we're in the flow enough. Yeah, you know, it's hard to know Yeah, time it what time it is. Well what the hell is time? Yeah. You know, time's time's all that's an interesting thing as well. What like your next question. Like under <laughs> uh, under the influence of certain substances such as breath work, meditation, sex, psychedelics, war, which I don't like the name of war. You know, I've done jujitsu. Um but I would imagine uh, your perception of, of time, linear time changes. Yeah, yeah. So time is a story as well. And it's something that we yeah. are kind of like the, the Merlin, you know, or the, yeah. the sorcerer yeah. magician. You can start to pull on the fabric of, yeah. of time because ultimately yeah. it, it comes back to perception.
1: Yeah. Time is another amazing thing you're bringing up. God damn. You know, it's also true in 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 a creative world, you know, if you're a jazz bass player or something, and you're into it. I know myself, you know, in in writing or kids playing, just kids playing out on the in the lawn.
0: Yeah, time time becomes infinite.
1: Time goes away, right? Yeah. What's that all about? Who knows? I don't know, man. It's connected. It's all connected. It's connected to it's connected to love. It's connected to miracles. It's connected to death. It's connected to everything that you're bringing up here in some crazy way that we don't understand.
0: Wait, so all of this eventually does tie back to how? To To be here in the world and express your genius, which genius, ancient Greeks referred to that as like the inner voice, the inner whisper that we all have access to. Yeah,
1: the daemon, yeah. The
0: daemon, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which now we, we demonize the daemon yeah, right. as yeah. being this, this bad thing yeah. because, you know, who are you to trust your voice? Yeah.
1: But the other thing is sort of the amazing, most amazing miracle of all, which we can't see because it's right in front of us, is just that we're alive at all right yeah that we're here right now we exist the word is right doesn't make any sense why you know <laughs> and I think that's another thing that I'll look back on after I'm dead I'll go oh, I didn't I appreciate that that I mean all those moments that you know just every moment every moment
0: do you think that you are uh weaving your tail through your words like you do when you're banging away in your your typewriter I'm sure yeah, no, you don't use typewriter but I like that you use typewriter yeah I do I do and, so, do you think uh, that your your language there is meaningful? I mean,
1: I I believe that my real life is that life of the imagination, is the life on on the page, and that hmm. and that uh, I don't want to say that this is not real because it is this year, but um, somehow that's that's our real life. I think. Yeah. That other, that other life, whatever that is.
0: That like, try that the genius, the daemon, that child. I wrote a thing a couple of days ago of, of uh, it was on Instagram, which always makes it much cheaper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, deep Instagram is great. Shit I, I, on Instagram. I don't knock like Instagram. It's just at like all. my digital journal, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, but the the idea was, it's interesting. Social engagement, going back to like a, a neurological you know musculoskeletal your body topo chico is great topo chico is great <laughs> yeah. big texans are big fan of topo chico um but it's interesting that that social engagement play um it's kind of i perceive it as being like the, the top of the movement hierarchy in a way huh. if you can come agree into a place where you can Oh, a song's coming up. Whoa, I can, I can, I have the adaptability and the fluidity and the flexibility and the intelligence to start to merge with the sound of that music. I can merge with another person. I can merge with the environment. Um, and when you can do that with the coordination of now we're integrating rules, now we're integrating, mm. you know, having compassion for the other person. Oh, mm. I push too much, I'll go draw back. Mm. All that's deep physical, mental, emotional mm. intelligence. And when a person can tap into that, that social engagement, that play, it's the, it's the most effective way to snap them out of kind of like a, a frozen retracted state mm. from a, a nervous system perspective. Mm-hmm. The polyvagal theory is like a thing. I don't that know what that might is, think, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, ah. it's think of your nervous system like a ladder. So, you know, you go down, down, down into the ladder. Eventually, of you know, trauma, fear, things of the sort. Uh-huh. Eventually, you'll freeze up like a possum. Just uh-huh. you know, fold up, and then you start to slowly blossom, open up, you know, and you go uh-huh. into uh-huh. more uh, you know engaging. You might go into like, okay, attack, defend, uh-huh. and then eventually, up, 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 you go into this love, play, compassion. Uh-huh. It's like a perfect uh-huh. integration uh-huh. of the light and the dark, the sympathetic uh-huh. and the parasympathetic. Uh-huh. you know, you're. Well, that's great. It's uh-huh. all you. But that play element, it like whoosh, it it shoots you up the ladder. Ah, I would definitely agree with that. <sighs> that was a lot of words. Thank you uh, for entertaining.
1: No. no, I absolutely agree. With you. In <laughs> fact, if if I may cite my one of my own books, please. Bagger Vance, The Legend of Bagger Vance, is a book about golf. Forget the movie. Yeah. But there's a there's a real moment in that story where. Um, this is, ex- that play is exalted as the highest form for just what you were saying, where there's right. rules, there's empathy, there's compassion, yeah. there's respect for the opponent. You know, you're there trying to beat the opponent's brains out, but you also love the opponent and they love you and there's a tremendous respect it's there. It's an infinite game.
0: Yeah, an the infinite, infinite game. Yeah, instead of a, f- a finite.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is that's, that's it. That's life, right? That's, so if you can get
0: to that point of playing, do you know that the, the infinite game, finite game? So the infinite game is you want the game to keep going. Oh, A finite is game is I want to destroy you.
1: Simon Sinek, that's just yeah. what he talks about. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's his, but he talks about it. who's Yeah. Brian, you know infinite, finite yeah, games, infinite games? You know who wrote that? I think he did, Simon Sinek, unless you did just, Simon, Simon somebody else. Thing? Anyways. But A great that's, guy. Yeah, I never met him. Ah, you, you should you have him on here. Yeah, I'd love to, Simon. You know, he's right here. He's right James here in LA. James Carse. Finite and infinite games. Finite oh. and infinite games. But oh. Simon Sinek, I mean
1: he's
0: he's he's, he's Simon Sinek wrote infinite games. Simon Sinek did write infinite games? Infinite games? Yeah. Oh, okay. There he goes. You gotta get Simon. He's in LA? Yeah, he's in LA, yeah. All right, cool, great. Um yeah, I think he's I think he's he's uh he's great. Um but that's getting to that point. If you're playing finite games and your intention is to destroy you know, you get what you give, yeah, and eventually and you're in the ego, right? It's a zero yeah. sum scenario. Yeah, but if you can march your way up that yeah. nervous system huh, ladder and come into that huh. that that balance, huh. you want your opponent—they're not your opponent anymore. You to know
1: all this shit it's at such <laughs> a young age.
0: <laughs> I don't think I know anything. Huh. <laughs> I'm just regurgitating, huh. man. Um, well, but yeah, so yeah. getting so so slowly getting yourself to that. That that point of balance, all of a sudden, your your opponent becomes your friend because they're what what keep you here in this world. Yeah, and there are no enemies. Yeah. And if Which, there are enemies, then you're yeah. an enemy of yourself. Which is why it's
1: so great when there's like a game uh, that you that you a real life game. You know, a basketball game. You know, the great finals in the NBA finals or something like that. Or, you know, I think one of the reasons why Tiger Woods was so popular was that. Uh, he would get in these head-to-head duels. It just was almost like uh you know, the universe wanted it to happen. That the and it was always with somebody different, but they would be these amazing duels that were just like that, you know, where shot for shot they would match each other, you know, coming down to the to the wire and it really was like an infinite game. Yeah. And you could see that they 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 each respected each other so tremendously, you know, yep. and they were abiding by the rules of the game so which is another great thing about golf, you know that uh, not to I mean, I know people don't know about golf, they think it's really boring. No, this but is, this is a sports podcast. but this the great is... thing about golf, what I love or many great things, is like on the green, the way each player is so um, respectful of the other's space, you know. Yeah. They'll never walk in the other person's line. They'll never let their shadow get in anybody's way. You know, when the when the one player is concentrating on a particular putt, the others will stand, you know, either on opposite sides or behind them so there's no distraction, you know. It's just tremendous respect for each other. It's very much like martial arts or like yeah. something like that where, you know, you don't dare
0: um, cross the line and competition. And then in doing that, you're learning how to engage with yourself. Right? Yeah. Like through the reflection of other, yeah. you start to learn those same boundaries and respect yeah. and such for the way that you yeah. exist in your own mind. Yeah. It's easy for us to like piss on ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But to not. Yeah. We all do that way too much. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about your latest book? Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, what was inspired? What inspired you to, what inspires you to keep writing? Um. I would uh, become a very bad person
1: if I stopped doing that. What would happen? But uh, I don't you know. I apathetic? would just spiral down and you know leave my body in a very bad way.
0: It's your anchor.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer that I'm here to serve the muse and the muse gives me an assignment and another one and another one. And my job is to, is to, is to follow her orders, you know? And when I said before that, that that's kind of my real life as opposed to this life. And I think it is. So uh, there's no question at all about me ever stopping writing. It's not even in the equation as long as I can breathe. And think you know i'll be doing that because that's my that's my real life on the on the deepest level so um
0: so a man, so, a, a man in arms it came from from somewhere else yes definitely where did it come from <laughs> if i knew the answer
1: to that i i would know but where did any where does any story come from you know um i'm a believer they all exist in potential before they're brought into material existence by the writer, the songwriter, whoever, a dance, a building, any any work of art, um, I you know, I
0: believe that. Why did it? Why why did it want to be birthed into the world? What's the the value and function? And uh, maybe it's beauty.
1: Maybe it's to teach us something. Maybe it's to reinforce. I'm thinking about you know anything at all, a, a symphony that we might listen to, or a, a great album or a great book. What it brings us joy. It takes us to, it teaches us something, you know? Um, It's, a lot of it is about empathy. Yeah. In that, particularly the novel, or a song too, allows us to enter into another person's existence in the imagination, right? Mm -hmm. A person that can be completely different, or numbers of people, right? And when... um, and when we do that, you know, it all comes back to that love, that concept that that person's so different from me. I used to think that they were really anybody like that was really bad, but now that I read their story, I go, "Oh my god, I'm they're just like me, right?" So in a way, it's it's uh it's a gift that the poet or the songwriter is giving. But I don't think like Socrates said, the he believed and I believe this too that the poet, or he was, you referred to as a poet, the poet has no idea what he's doing or what she's doing. It's just kind of coming through them. And, and I I think that's absolutely true. So I don't want to say like the poet or the writer is sitting down thinking I'm going to give a gift to the world. Yeah. That's not it at all. They're sort of driven like to do custodian. something that they don't even know why they're doing it. And it just happens to be a gift when it comes out. You know, if mm-hmm. Beethoven does him, boom, 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 you know, he's just doing it because it's wonderful
0: to him. But when you and I hear it, we go, wow, you know, we're moved to tears. Yeah. So when you were, was there anything challenging about writing this book? Uh,
1: getting to it was hard. The book, A Man at Arms, is a is a set in the um, first century A.D. in the Holy Land. And it's about a warrior of, of uh, who has appeared named Telamon of Arcadia, who has been a recurring character in three other books of mine. And... For years, I wanted to write a book about this guy only because he just sort of fascinates me. But I couldn't find the story. So, it, what was hard was getting to the story. Well, it took like thirteen years to get to the story. But once the story happened, then it was easy. Then mm-hmm. it came really fast.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, getting to that that point of arriving to the to the ease part, where that the stone starts rolling down the hill, and you can yeah. kind of jump along for the ride. Is that just grit it, bear it, do the work? I think it's a, it's a great
1: question. I think it's more like the tree will bear fruit in its season. You know, because mm. I wasn't like I was working really hard on all. I wasn't. Yeah. You know, I, I was just I, from time to time I'd go, boy, I'd love to do that story. You know, and I just go. Cool. I, it was very clear there was no apple hanging on the tree, and it wasn't going to come. And then one day, you know, there was an apple.
0: Yeah. So So it was just sort of waiting. Who would uh, a man at arms be before? Um, It would be, it would be for
1: anybody. Well, I think it's for anybody living today because it's about the stuff we were talking about, about getting from fear to love. Um, That's, you know, any, any, any great stories about that. And that's what this is about. And, the character, the central character, Telemon of Arcadia, the one-man killing machine of the ancient world, is a lot like... I don't want to say you and me because I don't know you enough to know, but we're isolated individuals in a world that is unfair and can be very cold, and we have to come up with our own code of honor and our own conception of what this is all about. And... That's where he starts and he gets to a point of love at the end. Hmm. Um uh so that's a story that's timeless, you know. In fact, almost all stories are that. Um, but uh so that's why
0: I love it, I would man. say read that. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thanks so much for uh all of things. Thanks hey, for expressing your genius. Hey,
1: thank you. Thank in you. Aaron. A, Thanks a, for asking these, very... these ridiculously difficult questions, <laughs> you know. But, uh, I, you know, I had no idea that this conversation was going to take the form that it did. But yeah. I, I'm glad it did, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do feel like we sort of got beyond... Just the regular bullshit, you know?
0: That's and
1: uh so I take my hat off for you for making that happen. I didn't make anything happen. Yes, you did. You, I was you here, created I was, this. I was event here, I was here for it. So it's, it's a real pleasure. Really, yeah, thank okay. you. The man COVID I, handshake. I, the old COVID <laughs> handshake.
0: I'll through some sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, back right. Getting the sand sanitizer. <laughs> um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh go out, grab a man at arms. Is it any place amazon it's everywhere a man and arms do bookstores exist anymore
1: uh yeah they do actually but it's it's everywhere on barnes and noble and amazon and everything
0: is there any ideal place to get it just just i
1: would say if you can get it from an independent bookstore do that because they need all the support they can can get yeah
0: yeah thank you so much all right Uh, thank you thanks for having me thank you all for tuning in over now I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Stephen Pressfield, per mention, is someone that I have respected and even revered over the years as a writer. And uh, it was a real honor to get to share that with you guys today. If you did get value out of it, I hope that you did. Feel free to share it on Instagram, be a likely place. You can tag me at Align Podcast. You can tag Stephen Pressfield at Stephen Pressfield. And uh, I really hope that these conversations are meaningful for you. We put a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of time into making them happen. And, uh, it means the world that you're here. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for supporting in in whatever way you'd like to. And, uh, if you're interested in getting your fitness and mobility on, we created a tool that you may know about by now called the total strength kit. Total strength kit is my go-to tool for all things mobility. And also, strength training especially while traveling so it is a combination of four different size resistance bands it also includes a hip band for squats and lunges and things of the sort it comes in a traveling case and then also has a door anchor so you're can attach the bands to a door do all the different exercises that you could possibly want and do inside of a gym from the safety and convenience of your home so you can go to alignpodcast.com shop and you will find the total strength kit there. That's a podcastcom slash shop. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, look forward to talking to you next week.